The Florida Gators are taking on the Texas A&M Aggies this Saturday, and we got locked on crossover action. Joey Ikes, A&M, me, Brandon Olson, Florida Gators, and I'm going to talk trash. I'm letting you know that right now, right here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are here for Locked On Crossover Action. I am Brandon Olson with Locked On Gators. Joining me is Joey Ikes from Locked On Aggies. And before we even get into it, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. And Joey, screw you. Um, I'm, I'm starting with the trash. <laughs> we, we got to, right? We got to. Yeah. I haven't talked trash since the Kentucky game. I've been super nice, and they're still going to lose games. So I'm, I'm just going to be like, if they're going to be bad, I'm going to talk trash anyway, and I'm going to have fun with it. So Well, there you go. There you go. That's my approach, and that's how I'm doing it. But, Joey, going into this game, we're both at a very fun point with our teams where public perception-wise – Everything is hitting the fan right now on both sides. But what is the biggest story for the Aggies going into this game? The biggest story, without a doubt, is Connor Wigman, the freshman quarterback, who made his starting debut last week and played unbelievable. It's one of the best games an AM quarterback has played in a long time. And he did it in his first game, you know, in prime time, in an SEC matchup. And it was awesome. And uh, and so the biggest question mark going back all throughout the spring and summer was who's going to play quarterback for A&M and is it going to be good enough for them to help the roster get where everybody thinks the roster should be? And for the first couple of months of the season, the answer was a resounding no. And now there's finally the, the glimmer of hope that maybe for the last month of 2022 and then the next couple of years after that, that there's some hope for the quarterback position. And it's been the thing that everybody's talking about. And it's like the the shift in energy around the program in not even in a full game. After the first two series of the Ole Miss game last week, the shift in 15 minutes of gameplay was uh, was remarkable just in terms of how people felt about the future of the program based on an 18 or 19-year-old kid and how he played in his first game. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see how he plays. I, I will say – I'm excited, but I'm also dreading it because of how bad Florida's defense has been this year. I'm like, oh, if if you thought Aggies fans were excited for him after the Ole Miss game, when he puts up a, a ton of yardage and three touchdowns, they're gonna love him. They, yeah. They're gonna and and I don't even care how mobile or immobile he is. He could be a complete statue. He's picking up like 40 rushing yards. It's it's just <laughs> what's gonna happen. I don't care who you have back there. You could put Jimbo. He's picking up rushing yards. Wow. Like there you go. Just because why not Florida, you know? Um, I, I think for me and for the Florida Gators, the biggest story this week, uh, which I love that it's not Anthony Richardson because I'm sick and tired of it being him for almost every crossover I've done. But I think the biggest story at this point is who's bought into the team because, yes, public perception-wise, it's hitting the fan. 
Uh, Brenton Cox on Monday got kicked off the team, leading pass rusher. I don't know who's going to replace him in production because guess what? He's been the best by a huge margin. Um, there is a ton of rumors about who's going to hit the portal or who's not going to hit the portal. And more importantly, as far as who's bought in, the loss to Georgia officially made it impossible for the Florida Gators to win their division. If you beat Georgia and Georgia lost out, which obviously wasn't going to happen, then you could have done it. And it seemed incredibly unlikely, but possible. Now it is impossible. So now it's you're a team with no no championship hope whatsoever. And there, there's a lot happening behind the scenes of the program. So I think for me, it's got to be just who's bought in and who actually has their sights on this game. Because I know there are guys that are going to hit the portal that right now are thinking, where am I going to be playing football next year? Right. And so I think for me, it, it's got to be just who's bought into this program. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a similar story to what went on with AM last week, you know, before the big, you know, reveal of Connor Wigman and the way the offense played. Um, and so I can relate to that for sure, just in terms of the uncertainty about, you know, it's Thursday, right? Who is spending their time between classes on Thursday, you know, looking at the game plan for this week against A&M and who's spending their Thursday time between classes, you know, talking to an NIL guy, an NIL collective guy from another school across the country that they want to go to next year. It's hard to know the answer to those questions. And uh, you, you can't really tell until you get on the field. And even then it's, it's hard sometimes to tell. So it's a, uh, it's not a fun, it's not a fun place to be, but at the same time, from our perspective at our standpoint, it can be a little bit fun because, because it gives us a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah, I've already been setting up the spreadsheet of like, okay, who do I think is leaving? Who has a reason to leave? Who is leaving other programs that might come here? Right, exactly. There are some players on both teams here that have their own spreadsheet as to as to where they want to go right. and their the depth charts of their position at all the schools they want to go to. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see who's going where. I think on the field for Florida, just to give a a closer approach, is who will you get offensively? Because, I mean, this offense for Florida has been inconsistent, erratic. Um, what's another word? Bad. And they've just been horrible <laughs> at times this season. So I think it, it's for Florida on the field. The biggest story is probably going to be what can this offense do? They started the Georgia game with four straight three and outs. So you, you've got to figure it out where – I get it. Florida Gators defense gave up 42 points to Georgia. It's hard to play good defense against Georgia when you're on the field for 80 plays and your offense is just consistently quick on the field a minute and a half and then punting it. So I think for Florida, at least on the field, biggest story is going to be what are you getting from this offense, which isn't just Anthony Richardson. It's this whole program. Right. And I I think it's, you know, if you want an answer to that, from my perspective, you're going to be able to run the football this week. I mean, A&M gave up 400, almost 400 yards on the ground last week to a really good Ole Miss running game. Um, that was by far their worst performance against the run. Not all the games have been like that. But they've been pretty consistently willing to give up four, five, six-yard gains for the sake of preventing the big passing game. Um, and so with Florida having, you know, Florida's got three guys that average six yards of carry. So you guys are going to be able to run the ball. Anthony Richards Richardson's going to put up numbers on the ground. Um, it's just a matter of, can AM tighten up in the red zone and get stops when they need to? And can they get a couple of takeaways? And then can AM be able to score any points? Yeah. Um, and that, that leads perfectly into what I was going to talk about next segment as my biggest matchup. But before we get into that, real quick, uh, the numbers don't lie. 
in the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. Joey, I don't know about you and listeners, I don't know about you, but I have Simply Safe for my house because I need it. <laughs> for, for, for just being honest, I need it. And I love it because, I mean, there's an instance that I like to bring up where I was on vacation in June and got a little notification. And I was just like, well, this sucks because I'm I'm across the, the planet right now. Uh, luckily, it was false alarm completely. It was just a kid in the yard getting his ball. But I'm glad like that sense of security felt great for me. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash college. Save 20% on your system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan. Visit simplysafe.com slash college. And remember, there's no safe like Simply Safe. And Joey, when we're talking about these key matchups, you you touched on it. I, this is my key matchup for both sides, really. The running game against the front six, we'll say, because modern Nobody NFL, plays not so modern yeah. football yeah, <laughs> anymore. But the running game against the front six, because both teams have, I think, good ground games. Uh, Texas A and M less explosive than Florida. Florida's got, I think, like like a third of their yards are on massive runs because they just. Anthony Richardson, 81 yards. Montreal Johnson, 60-something. Travis Etienne, 60-something. Um, or Trevor Etienne, 60-something. But Texas A&M has been very consistent, I'll say, in terms of picking up yardage, at least. Both the defenses, um, bad. Both defenses yep, yep. are <laughs> two of the worst run defenses in the SEC. They're actually the second and third worst run defense in the SEC in terms of yards per carry given up uh, behind only our boss, Zach Blackerby's Auburn Tigers. Uh, Auburn's going to be at the bottom of everybody, right? Yeah, they're going to be there just, just every time they're there, and they deserve to be there. But I think Absolutely. for me, that, that, that's got to be my biggest matchup is just the running game here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, for AM, you know, Florida's got three guys who run the ball really well and put up a, a really great average. For AM, it's pretty much Devon Achain, and it has been all year from the first game of the year all the way through. And he's a he's a guy who hasn't had a ton of opportunities to break huge runs this year, um, but he's a an all-American level track star at AM, went to the national championships in track in the spring. So it wasn't at spring football because of that. But he's he's going to be the fastest guy on the field almost every time he steps foot on the field. And so if he gets into space, you're probably not going to catch him. He just hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to get into very much space this year. Um, and that goes to the offensive line and all that kind of stuff. But he's been extremely productive because he's just an unbelievable player. He And it's, you know, you hear about track guys who play football. He's almost a football player who happens to run track. And it's so – He's not the the real fragile guy who's going to come up hurt all the time and, and not be not be full on. But it's going to come down to Devon A-Chain. And one thing we didn't see from Connor Wigman last week that you mentioned earlier is Connor Wigman's a guy who had almost 2,000 yards rushing his senior season in high school. So he is an extremely mobile quarterback who can make plays on the run. He didn't show it last week against Ole Miss, tripped up in the pocket a couple times when he had some opportunities. But I think they said on the broadcast last week, Jimbo compared him to Dak Prescott. And we remember what Dak Prescott did at the college level as a runner. Um, and now we've seen what Connor can do throwing the ball. If he gets those legs going too in this game, uh, this Aggies offense could actually finally be tough to stop for the first time in a full season almost. Yeah, that 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 terrifies me. Um, like I, I knew from watching the Ole Miss game that he was at least pretty athletic. You get That's yeah. one of those things where you can just see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I did not know he was 2,000 yards. Yeah, and almost 2,000 yards rushing as a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, and he's from I, the Houston area, so we're not talking about like small small high school football here. We're not yeah, talking about some – some, I was going to say we're not talking about Archbishop in, in Louisiana somewhere where Arch Manning's playing. But, um, but we're talking about, you know, the biggest division in Texas high school football in the biggest city in – or one of the biggest cities in the state. Um, so And he's still putting up almost 2,000 yards in a season. So he's definitely an athletic guy who – I would assume that they see the same things that you see when they're in the building in College Station and that they're ready to to allow that to be more a part of the game, especially since they didn't really show it very much against Ole Miss. Yeah, that, that is actually very terrifying, especially because with Brenton Cox on now, I know that a lot of Gators fans aren't big fans of Brenton Cox Jr., but he was solid against the run. I don't want to say great. He could blow up a play here and there, but he would often be the type that just gets in the backfield and disrupts it and then misses the tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just is like weird little arm swing thing. Um, but that, that terrifies me that Wyman can run. And also when you mentioned A-Chain, he, I know that you said he's not so much a track star that plays football. He's a football player that can run track. Reminds me kind of of uh, David Wilson. I don't know if people are going to remember him, but from about 10 years ago, he was with Virginia Tech and he mm-hmm. went to the track. And that's what he kind of reminds me of. Like, like he yeah. is a football player but he can just zoom yeah, by you. Absolutely. And that very much scares the crap out of me, if we're being honest, for this Florida Gators defense. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, And I think the spot where you see his speed most is on kick returns because he can, you know gets a 15- or 20-yard running start before he runs into anybody. And if there's a crease, he's, he's hard to stop on this kick return for sure. Yeah, that's, that's super fun when you consider yeah. the Florida Gators just – I like you like I know you said he's probably gonna be the fastest player on the field in most instances that's gonna be the case for against Florida too like Florida I I love the players I think they're great in terms of you know being people players we'll 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 say the rest Um, but I I think they're great but I I think that one thing this Florida Gators defense has shown all season is that they lack legit athletes and this is one of the few tests where they're actually going to go up against someone who you know, I, I say Anthony Richardson, most of the time he's on the field, is the most athletic person on the field. Not going to be the case this game. And I, I got to say, for you at least, what is your next biggest matchup, we'll say, for this game? Well, I think, you know, when we talk about the run game on both sides, that's really, I think, what the game's going to come down to. Um, but it's also going to come down to what can can AM find any consistency in the passing game against the Florida secondary? And is, does the running game facilitate that a little bit? Because now Connor Wingman's got a game out there. You know, he had, I don't know, eight throws or something like that against at the end of the uh, of the South Carolina game. But does he have – does Florida now know and understand what Connor Wingman was in a way that Ole Miss didn't come into that game? And are they a little bit more prepared and able to, to shut down the middle of the field areas that he attacked so well um, in the first part of the game, in the first part of – or the first start of his career. Um, and if those, if the Gators can do that, and, you know, we were talking earlier before we got on about the, the amount of cover three that, that Florida's playing and that they're transitioning and trying to add a little bit more man coverage in to help. And, and can these young A&M receivers separate in man coverage against the Gators? Um, because if they can't, we've seen what that looks like in prior games and it wasn't real pretty. And so a has got to be able to separate in the secondary for sure or else Anthony Richardson is going to be able to run all over this A&M defense and keep them off the field or keep the A&M defense on the field and A&M won't be able to score to keep up. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Texas A&M passing attack, and it's like, I promise you, there's going to be yards there for them to pick up <laughs> in the middle of the field. That's something where all season, no matter who Florida has gone against, middle of the field has been a weakness for them, whether it's because they were blitzing one of their linebackers or because they had their linebackers in coverage and they're bad at that. And that, that just is what it is at certain points. But I think that it's going to be interesting also in the passing game because all season Florida's passing attack or passing defense has been bad. You look at LSU game and yes, LSU has gotten significantly better as the season has gone on, but Jaden Daniels looks like a freak at Heisman candidate against, against Florida. And Florida has done that quite a bit where they make these quarterbacks who, whether or not you even want to consider their talent, they've made every quarterback look very good. And that's, that's been an issue. And you guys are going to, Love it for Connor this week because he's going to look phenomenal and that's just what it's going to be. But I think with Florida also trying to kind of uh, simplify but also make their defense more complex because, of course, you're simplifying it because you're saying, hey, the guy in front of you is who you're covering. And then that's what you have to do instead of trying to worry about what what's my zone responsibility here. But it's also making it more complex because you're adding in more man and, and it gets a little bit difficult there where you're adding parts. You're adding things to a defense that's already struggled with communication issues and the mental errors that have just demolished them all season. And I I think that that's my biggest issue with Florida in this game is their run defense has been bad. Their pass defense has been bad. And you've got a game against the Texas A&M offense, which I I will say this, I don't think is good. I I don't, I don't think that's anything like otherworldly that I'm saying. I don't think this offense is good, but it's a matter of can your defense actually show up especially when you consider things like losing your best pass rusher against a very athletic quarterback, that that's going to be something that uh, I'm dreading seeing, but I'm also very excited to see what the result will be at the end of it all. But we're about to get into the, the actual prediction part of this show, which by the way, I'll tell you now, Texas A&M's favored. I'm picking Florida to win. Um, I, I can say that, and that's not even me being unbiased. I've picked Florida to lose multiple times this year. I just think Texas A&M, not that good. But first, a quick word from Sweat Block, because I know that, Joey, you and your listeners, um, I don't think this is as big an issue for you, but I sweat, and I live in a very humid place. So summer months, I'm just a disgusting human being. Um, that, that's You'll see me just constantly flapping my shirt, trying to just trying to just break it out there. But Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. So not only is it doctor created, it's doctor recommended. And if you or someone you love, me, is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Joey, to wrap up this Locked On crossover, I'm Brandon Olson, Locked On Gators, Joey Ikes, Locked On Aggies, and man, okay, it's it's prediction time. I've said it. I'm, I'm picking Florida to win. I think they're going to win 31-24. I'm going with the exact score there. I know that a lot of people don't do that, don't have to, but I'm doing it. Uh, I, I, I'm not bought in on this Texas A&M program. I know that they're currently favored by three on Online. Ben online, don't know why the hell you did that one. Um, but I, I think Florida's going to win. I think the main reason I think Florida wins this game is because they're at a spot where now you're completely eliminated from SEC championship contender, which you really weren't before. But now it's literally impossible for you to do. Um, I think that you saw the defense get more aggressive against Georgia. 
I think you see the offense get more aggressive this week for Florida. And I think something that's been not talked about enough for this Florida team is, yeah, they're four and four. One of those wins came week one against a then number seven Utah, which is now number 13 or 14 in the college football playoff rankings. Your only losses this year, if you're Florida, to number one Tennessee, number three Georgia, number 10 LSU, and a team that just fell out of the top 25 this week in Kentucky. And aside from Georgia, you were a play or two away from that being a win and being seven and one on the year. So I think, yeah, this Gators team, not great. Hell, not good. Uh, but I think they're better than Texas A&M. And I think they're better than they're getting credit for. Joey, how you doing? Yeah, I think A&M is right now. They're not the sum of their parts is they're less than the sum of their parts. I'll say it that way. And that, especially, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they've got, phenomenal playmakers at you know wide receiver quarterback now apparently and, and running back and and they've got some really young talent at other spots but the offense as a whole just hasn't lived up to that and it's sort of the same story on the defensive side of the ball part of that is that they're so young and what comes with youth is just massive levels of inconsistency and we all know on defense especially you know when you're talking about giving up big plays all it takes is one guy to be out of position and you wind up giving up a huge play most that hasn't happened as much in the secondary for AM as it has in the running game because they're playing a ton of young guys up front on the defensive line and the linebacker. And so I think it's going to be close. Connor Wigman, the last two weeks, has been in a situation where he's had one play with the opportunity to win the game and they, they haven't been able to pull it off. And they were even in that position with uh, against Alabama the week before that. I think this is the week that that tide turns a little bit and they get the ball with a minute and a half left down four points and they drive down the field and score a touchdown and they win, you know, something like, I don't know, 31 to 28 or something like that. And, and that they're able to, that they're able to get the win building off of the momentum from Ole Miss, but no more moral victories, go out and beat Florida. And then you've got a, you've got the stretch of UMass and Auburn coming up, which we just talked about our buddy Zach and, and what that means. Uh, for Auburn, but uh, but build some momentum going into the last month of the season. I, I think it's the time when when Connor Wigman showed what he could do last week, and this is really sort of the coming of age like announcement onto the big stage that last week wasn't a fluke. We're going to come out, we're going to make more big plays, and we're going to find a way to win the game. How does it feel knowing that one, you're incredibly wrong, but more importantly, um, two, every year. It seems like Texas A&M has a starting quarterback going into the year. He sucks. His backup comes in. You get your hopes up. And then the next year, he's going to suck. Just, just yeah, well, what's it like knowing that's a constant issue? Yeah, it's an interesting thing for the last couple of years in that, you know, they had Kellen Mond for, I think he was there for four or five years, something like that. Um, and before that, it was sort of that same story that you're talking about. They start with a guy who is brand new to the program, hasn't started at all. He's going to be the guy. We don't know anything about him other than what the coaches are telling us coming out of practice. And then that fizzles out. They go to backup. Plays okay. That fizzles out. And then last year, there was a bunch of injuries at the quarterback spot. And Zach Calzada transferred to Auburn and then couldn't win that quarterback, job, which tells you a lot about Zach Calzada. Um, but I think this is the first time in a long time that AM has had a, a young quarterback like this come in and play – really well and if he's able to continue to play really well and put a string of games together this will be the first time in at least this will be this in at least two years where they've had a quarterback going into summer camp 
where they knew exactly who the quarterback for the fall was going to be in the spring. And he gets all the run with the ones. And then they go into the summer workouts and then fall camp and they know exactly who the guy's going to be. And he gets all the run with the ones and there's no controversy. There's no questions. That's going to be the first time since Kellen Mond was here that that's happened. Um, and I think that's extremely valuable. And so that's sort of the hope is that you get some play from him for this, the last half of the year, some practices leading up to a bowl game, spring ball, fall camp, and you go into 2023. Um, it is a very frustrating cycle to be a part of, though. And that's sort of what the, what the whole hope is, is like, maybe we finally broke this cycle and we finally have a guy for next year because uh, because it's uh, – we also know that there's there's a chance that, you know, Anthony Richardson looked like the, the second coming in week one, right, against Utah. And then, you know, he's sort of fallen back to earth a little bit, but he looked like he's going to win the Heisman. He's going to go be the number one pick in the draft. Like, he's going to be unbelievable. Florida's going to win a national championship. Um, and he's come back to earth a little bit. And so now we're, we're sort of wondering, okay, is Connor Wigman going to come back to earth a little bit? Was that too much? Was that more than what we can expect to be sustainable? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's sort of what all our fingers are crossing at right now about going into this court. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Kellen Mond too many times for me. I, I can't stand Kellen Mond. <laughs> only because he was like the guy who you could tell is so average. Yeah. But he never lost to Florida. <laughs> that irritated me so much that I could look across, I could see on the screen. I'm like, this dude is so average, but he just, he, he beat Florida. I think it was two or three times that he played them, but he never lost to Florida. And yeah. for that, I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Locked On Crossover. Brandon Olson, Joey Ikes, Locked On Gators, Locked On Aggies. Make your second listen, Locked On SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university. University of Florida, by the way, Joey. I uh, just want to let you know that one. And thank you so much. We're here every day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.